Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Signs from the Other Side, the place to share stories of signs, coincidences, and messages from the other side. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and I am joined today by blogger, writer, wife, mom, Chicago gal, and so much more, Sheila Quirk. Hi, Sheila. Sheila, can you hear me? I can, yes. Hi. We had a couple a few seconds of technical difficulties there, but I'm so happy to hear your voice. Thank you for doing this. Oh, absolutely. Fern, I was looking forward to speaking with you today. Me too. Sheila Quirk has been blogging since 2011 as Mary Tyler Mom, where she writes about parenting, childhood cancer, adoption, life in Chicago, and as it states on her website, MaryTylerMomWrites.com, parenting and surviving in these challenging times. She's also a freelance writer, wife, mom, and trained clinical social worker. Her writing has been featured in the Chicago Tribune and on Scary Mommy, among others. You can read all her posts on her website. Again, it's MaryTylerMomWrites.com, including her series, Donna's Cancer Story, which documents her daughter Donna's 31 months of treatment. Thank you again, Sheila. In case I forget to say it later, thank you a thousand times. (laughs) So we know we talked about through blogging. Oh, go ahead. I told, oh, I warned yeah, you there I was always, a delay. <laughs> yes. Um, I always say that the way that I get to parent Donna, my daughter now, is by speaking about her. That is the only opportunity I have. So whenever I'm given a chance, I jump on it because, you know, it's a way to be connected and remember mm-hmm. and honor her too. That's perfect. And I um, I interviewed uh, John Edward, the psychic medium. He did Crossing Over, um, yeah. the only psychic I trust. <laughs> um, and I interviewed him, and I, I asked him, you know, how do you, what advice do you give to someone who just is trying to get through the rest of their life without their loved one? And he said to honor them. That's, those are his exact words, honor them and, and honor, um, remember them and speak about them. So that's perfect, and I'm I'm glad you're doing it. And everything I'm going to start this interview with tears in my eyes already. Oh. So let's do oh. it. <laughs> well, I've been crying doing my Sheila research, so um, oh. but that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. No, no, we can cry. That's, that's okay. what we're here for. <laughs> it's healing. Yeah. So Mary Tyler Mom is not just a great name for a blog. Um, you're going to make it after all, but it's so well written. I feel like everything you like you could write about slipping through the phone book and it would be mesmerizing. <laughs> it's true. And I but I love that the first six months of blogging, you kept things very light and funny. There were there were a lot of, you know, jokes made at Gwyneth Paltrow's expense, which you later apologized for. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it was this effort to be relatable, which I find very relatable. Oh. You know, that was very intentional on my part. And the reason that I started Mary Tyler Mom is that I really believed, um, I, I should preface this by saying I never wrote before. I wasn't a writer. I didn't work around words. I, I was a clinical social worker. And and you didn't major in English? Because I feel like you, I feel no. like you are, have such... It's so professional and it's so perfect. There's never even a mistake, oh. but it's also like so <laughs> yes, lyrical. No. 
I was a, wow. an American lit minor, but that was it. And, you know, my I took a different path, and I worked as a um, clinician and a social worker with older adults. And the reason that I started writing was um, when our daughter was diagnosed with cancer, about two days later, um, my husband came up with the idea to start an online journal so that we can communicate with friends and family. And that became sort of our lifeline for the mm-hmm. two and a half years that Donna was in treatment. Um, and then it was after through, it was she died. It was a caring bridge. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a caring bridge mm-hmm. journal. Um, and after she died, my husband stopped writing. You know, he was using it as a communication tool. And mm-hmm. it became clearer to me that I was using it as a way mm-hmm. to connect and express myself, everything that was going mm-hmm. on inside my head, you know, during these difficult experiences I was living. And I wasn't ready to stop writing. Um, but I also didn't want to just keep writing about grief. So I made this very mm-hmm. conscious decision to blog, and I was not ever going to reveal that I was a grieving mother. (laughs) I was just going Mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of be funny and jokey, and mom blogs were all the rage (laughs) in 2011, and it was going to be kind of just about parenting and working, and that was it. Um, And Mm -hmm. then it became pretty clear pretty quickly that it wasn't authentically me and that um, I couldn't hide the fact that grief is just so much a part of my parenting and it's so much a part of my day-to-day life. Um, So finally it kind of, I say that I came out of the grief closet and um, (laughs) just kind of made a pronouncement on the blog that, oh, yes, and also this is an important part of who I am. I'm the Mm -hmm. mother of a daughter who died of cancer. And you shared Donna's cancer story that year in September 2011. Um, So you started blogging in 2011, right? I started blogging, yes, in, um, Mm -hmm. I believe it was April of 2011. And then, in, okay, and then so it was like six months of of staying in the in the grief closet, and then in September yeah. 2011, you brought you brought the everyone at, certainly in Chicago now, and and I know all over to their knees with the um, the 31 months of Donna's treatment documented for the childhood cancer awareness month of September, 2011. And it was serialized in, um, on Chicago now, and then also on Huffington post. And it's extraordinary. And I'm going to share it again. And everyone who's listening should please go read it. Um, Cause it's just incredible. But, um, and that was quite the way to, quite the way to reveal yourself. It, it was just incredible. And I love that Donna t- to tell her story. She was born in 2005. She is named after your mom, which is yeah. so sweet, and your mom actually passed while you were pregnant with her. Right. So Donna, which is was, a whole other um, complicated. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was. Um, Donna was our first child, and um, you know, just how can I say this? 
I was 35 years old, and I was very happy to not have children. I had a great <laughs> life. I had a great career. I had really zero um, maternal instincts. And I thought, well, maybe someday. But, you know, when you're 35 and you're still saying, maybe someday, you know, <laughs> oh, I've been it exactly might not there. happen. <laughs> I had a, I had a lovely full life outside of motherhood, and um, then my my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and um, she she became incapacitated. The reason that we learned she had a brain tumor was um, she had a brain bleed that resulted in right sided paralysis, and for the first couple of days they assumed and believed it was a stroke. And then Mm -hmm. we learned quickly that it was not a stroke, it was a brain tumor and it was aggressive and that she would die as a result of her brain tumor. Um, Mm -hmm. And I became a caregiver quickly, like, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. overnight. Um, I wanted to help my dad and um, help my mom. And so I, you know, just the day to day after I finished my professional job, I would drive into Chicago and see my folks and, you know, do laundry and cook and bathe my mom and get my mom ready for bed and all of those things. And it struck mm-hmm. me that, oh, I, I could do this. And mm-hmm. I actually, you know, feel very present doing this. Um, maybe Maybe I could be a mother. Maybe I have a part of me that I didn't realize was there. Um, and shortly later became pregnant. So I credit my mom, Donna, with mm-hmm. sort of, you know, giving me her last lesson that uh, I was, you know, I had different facets that I hadn't explored. Yeah, that I could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Donna was born just a few months after my mom died and was named for my mom. Were you yeah. planning on naming her? After? We talked. My yeah, my husband and I talked. We didn't find out what um, if our child would be a boy or a girl, and mm-hmm. um, so it was a surprise. And but we knew that um, if we had a daughter, that she would be named Donna. So the day that Donna was born. <laughs> You know, she was birthed, and I said, okay, is somebody going to tell me? (laughs) And, um, you know, it was was my husband who said, it's a girl. And uh, I said, Donna. That was, you know, the first thing I said to her was her name, Donna. Yeah. I love it. And she, um, she, she celebrated her first birthday, and then it was shortly after that that she, she was diagnosed at 20 months old, so just before okay. her second birthday. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, so she went through 31 months of treatment, um, which right. you described wonderfully. And, and writing that, you went back to your old diaries and read, read yeah. that month. That had to be so hard, but so I know you you described it in a post actually, which is so beautifully written, but um, so hard, but so necessary. Both of those things, you are nailing it. It was very hard, um, but I found it very healing. 
unnecessary mm-hmm. for my grief and acceptance mm-hmm. and my capacity to move forward and make room for the grief in my life, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense. And one of the other things that, that you did after, so after she passed the, what would have been her birthday, you kind of had a, a, a celebration, which I completely get, and, and I've seen it in my own family. You kind of don't know what to do on these days, and right. and you want to remember, and I like that you call it the anniversary, the remembery. <laughs> um, and so you had, there, you had a, a kind of a birthday party, with young people, yeah. some of her friends, and if you want to tell the story of the two envelopes yeah, that absolutely. you received that so, day. It's, it is really hard um, to, how can I say, it's so hard to know how you acknowledge the birthday of a child who's no longer with you. And it was her first birthday um, without Donna actually being here. And we sort of went back and forth. What do we do? How should we do this? And we decided on this pizza party at a favorite restaurant of Donna's. And it is a place that we had had celebrations with her and with our friends and family for her. So it felt familiar. And it felt like, okay, this makes sense. But the day mm-hmm. of burn, oh goodness, the day of I just thought what 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 what? Right. <laughs> we can't have a birthday oh. party. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we thinking? Mm-hmm. I, I just really didn't want to be there. But the place was expecting us. Our friends were going to be there. You don't really know how you're going to feel, I think, until you're in that moment. And I think the part of me that's a pleaser um, Mm -hmm. just didn't want to disappoint people. And Mm -hmm. so it was, okay, I'll just show up and we'll make it through and we're going to get out of there as quickly as we can. Um, And we showed up and, you know, it was awkward and Mm -hmm. people were so lovely to be there and well-meaning, but is it a celebration? I, I couldn't figure out what it was a couple of folks handed us envelopes and a couple of folks um you know gave us little gift bags and I just sort of shoved all of that in a corner and then Mm -hmm. at the end of the night you know everybody left we said our goodbyes we went home we put our our other baby to bed and it was about 10 o'clock and I saw oh gosh there's the envelopes and little gift bags. Okay, let's do this. And I opened them up and two of them had acorns in them, like (laughs) real live acorns that you'd pick up from the ground. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's strange. That's strange. Um, (laughs) And they both had notes attached to them. Um, and they were both from our daughter's playmates. So she, um, was 
one of sort of three girls. All of the parents were friendly with one another, and we all had um, children within, I think it was six months, they had all been born. Donna was the oldest. Um, So these little girls were both four years old. Um, And the notes that their moms attached to these um, acorns in the envelopes were both very expressive. So one of them said, um, you know, we went on a walk and we found these acorns and Lily was one of the little girls. Lily wanted you to have them. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's so sweet. That's very nice that this little girl was thinking of me. Um, And then I went and I opened up the other envelope and more acorns. And inside was um, a note from the mom of the little girl. And the mom's note was very detailed. And she said, you know, oh, and I'm so, it was sort of like almost an afterthought these acorns were added. And she said, I've been meaning to give you these for a while. We found them on a walk. My daughter and I found them on a walk. And she kept wanting me to give them to you. And I kept telling my daughter that, well, Sheila doesn't need acorns to remember Donna. (laughs) Sheila knows Donna and has memories and, you know, photos and lots of things. We will tell Sheila about these acorns. And apparently her daughter got really angry at her that she never, (laughs) mom never gave me the acorns. So she demanded at Donna's birthday party, you better bring those acorns. You better bring those acorns. They are for Sheila. She needs that to have them. So and, and funny. Right? So mom and these two little girls weren't together when they came up with it. Like they separately decided no. to give you acorns. Exactly. <gasps> totally, completely. And, and the other, you know, they didn't know that the other had given me these acorns. <gasps> so as I'm reading these two notes and I'm, and I'm putting two and two together, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is, well, there's there's got to be a common denominator here about acorns. Like, what mm-hmm. do acorns symbolize? So, like any civilized, you know, human, I went to Google, mm-hmm. of course, and I just <laughs> typed in the symbolism of acorns. What do acorns symbolize? Um, and so I'm I'm reading this at this point. It's like ten thirty. On the first night, you know, Donna's first birthday without mm-hmm. being together. And it feels like a visceral, how can I explain this? Um, like a visceral punch to the gut. Um, mm-hmm. In those moments where I'm alone in the bedroom with these acorns and my Google definition of what they symbolize, which is protection and Mm -hmm. um, potential and um, sort of being okay, um, maturity. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like this visceral punch that Don, who was reaching out from somewhere Mm -hmm. to tell me that she was protected, that she was okay, all was going to be well, you know, that we were going to be okay, Perfect. that she was okay. Mm-hmm. 
and it felt so certain and Mm -hmm. it felt so um, real. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I don't uh, practice a faith. Um, Mm -hmm. I am agnostic. He is an atheist. When I put two and two together, I sort of ran out and kind of showed him the (laughs) acorns and the notes and my 100% certainty that Donna had communicated to us on her birthday. And he's Mm -hmm. just sort of, you know, humored me like, oh, (laughs) yes, absolutely. And, you know, Fern, I don't, I Mm -hmm. still to this day, you know, I don't think he sees what I see in it. And I don't think he feels or has felt. What I felt mm-hmm. in that moment, um, right. and I. But yeah. ever since then, acorns have been so significant. They are comforting in a way that I can't describe, and they pop I into my mind. Get it. Still, mm-hmm. um, at the perfect time when you need that they comfort, do. because the yeah. the other time, um, so you have two beautiful sons. I know from being friends with you on Facebook and. Um, you adopted your youngest son, and um, there was the way you also people should also read your blog about going through the process of adoption, and it's so um, it sounds so um, wonderful, but also you know you're kind of on the edge of your seat up until the day you take the baby home in your arms, and there was the day that that he was born, and you were waiting for, you know, the time in between he was born and when she was signing the papers was such a nerve-wracking day. Yes. (laughs) The acorns came in Texas. They came again. Yes. Yes. We were, um, our our youngest son had been born, and he was um, born in the state of Texas. And the way that the Texas adoption laws work is that um, when a mother chooses to place her child for adoption, that becomes formalized in 48 hours. So um, 48 hours after his birth is the same day that his birth mother is discharged from the hospital. And the plan was that... um, we would meet at the adoption agency and that uh, if all the papers were signed and in order, then our son, um, mm-hmm. it's really hard to say because I want to honor his birth mother um, mm-hmm. because our son also has another mother. Um, you know, so so basically – her son becomes our son, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But a lot is resting in those moments. And it was clear that um, when birth mom went to the, when our son's birth mom went to the adoption agency, that she would have a little bit of time um, to sit and think and contemplate and, you know, talk to a counselor to determine if this was truly what she wanted and what she felt was best for her Mm -hmm. child. And we were dispatched um, to go to the pharmacy. Um, (laughs) uh, The birth mother didn't have any family 
in town in Fort Worth where a child was born. And so we said, well, we're happy to do that. We'll just go pick up the medication that had been called in. Someone just needed to pick it up. And so we're, I'm sitting at the pharmacy waiting. I'm already a wreck and highly emotional <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't know what will happen. I don't know right. how the day will pan out. And the weight of what our son's birth mother was tasked with in those moments was mm-hmm. just kind of um, having having buried a child, having lost a child, mm-hmm. the thought of, you know, placing your child in the arms of another family was so uh, profound that mm-hmm. it was just, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I just couldn't imagine what imagine. she was going through or anything. And all of a sudden sitting at the pharmacy, my, my phone started blowing up. And I kid you not, mm-hmm. there were a series of friends in that moment that were sending anecdotes or photographs of acorns that they had found. <laughs> and the, the thing that was that we really need to talk about in terms of coincidence mm-hmm. and signs right. is that um, we said nothing to anybody mm-hmm. <laughs> about where we I just are. got chills. Mm-hmm. None of those oh. friends had any idea that this day was no. even no. what was going on whatsoever. No. <laughs> Unbelievable. And and we were expected to do that, you know, to keep it on the down low, Mm -hmm. that you don't know how it's going to work out, that you don't know how you'll feel if you announce this beautiful thing. And then, you know, the child's birth mother makes a different decision. You just don't know. You can't count on anything. That makes sense. My father knew, and that Mm -hmm. was my husband's Mm -hmm. parents knew, and one of my sisters knew, and that was about it. So but not one person the, who sent you an acorn antidote no. or picture or anything. Oh, Amazing. and again, like different people from different parts of right, our life, your life. And our friend groups. And those wow. acorns in those moments, um, you know, I got the first one and I said, oh, an acorn, that's great. And then by the time the third one came in, I, I just thought, <laughs> okay, like this is this is significant. Donna knows something that I don't yet know. And she's yes, telling me I it's going to be okay. Can, yes. I always say they can, they're kind of like have an invisibility or cloak or like a fly on the wall. They know things and are able yes. to use their energy to let you know. It's okay. It's and they, be okay. they use, yes. And, and, and the people that we love who are no longer with us, they use the people that are close to us to communicate mm-hmm. yes. with us. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard that. And I, I'm telling you, I am really skeptical. Yeah, I know. When you live <laughs> That's what makes it, it so great. <laughs> yes. When you live yeah. through this and it just happens in these very um, heightened moments, I'm not, I'm certainly not sitting in that pharmacy in 2013 looking for acorns. I'm really not. Right. I'm right. focused on what's happening in this particular moment, and the acorns mm-hmm. just sort of find me. Um, and in in Incredible. my heart, I do believe mm-hmm. that was Donna reassuring me. She she said Without a doubt. or saw that I was in a really challenging 
place, you know, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And she was just reaching out saying, you know, mama, it's okay, mama. It's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And one wasn't enough. It was like another one just to confirm right. it. Another one, another one. Yeah. <laughs> Are you yeah. listening, oh. mom? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. And another time, um, another nerve-wracking moment um, was with your son in the hospital, which this is just one of those other moments that I, it's just, you can't write it better, you can't make it up. Just incredible with your um, son who was having a health issue and you were sitting in the treatment room at the hospital and looked down. And, yep. Uh, <laughs> Another one, that that was my youngest guy, too. (laughs) Um, And it's just, that's what I mean, the randomness. Um, A blue plastic acorn. A blue plastic (laughs) acorn. So, again, they come in all different shapes and sizes. But (laughs) my my youngest guy was being, you know, assessed in the hospital and going through a series of tests. and we were anxious about that, and we didn't know what the outcome would be, and we didn't know if the tests were positive, what would that mean for him and his quality of life moving forward. Um, oh, and so there was a lot of uncertainty and ambiguity. And, you know, we're in one of these assessment rooms, um, and some hospital clinicians are working with my son, and I'm sort of off to the side. He was three at the time. And I looked down and, and there was, um, and again, no context. There was a blue plastic <laughs> acorn. There's no rhyme or reason it, why a blue plastic acorn would be there. It was a windowsill. <laughs> it was a brand new hospital that had opened up. Um, the Ability Lab in Chicago had opened up, you know, like two weeks prior, like, what? Where is this coming from? Right. It wasn't like they had just decorated for Thanksgiving, or like. But even if oh, they, no. like, why would it be blue? Like it was. There's no, yes. like you said, no rhyme or reason. But there it was. And totally random. Perfect. And it was. It was small. You know, it, it was under an inch in size. Um, oh. And and oftentimes when I see an acorn, that's the first thing that pops into my head is acorns are everywhere. And in that moment, I had to sort of think about, okay, why is why is there an acorn here right now? And um, again, not I'm not looking for an acorn in that moment. I'm yeah. sort of thinking about my son and his future and what's going to, you know, mm-hmm. be in his future. What will his cards look like? And uh, right. there was that acorn, and it was so reassuring. Um, and mm-hmm. in the end, all was well. Um, it's sort of like false alarm and, and no need to panic and, you know, everything resolved itself. And right, there's like the that fly on the wall, she could see that it was, it was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. I love it. Right. Just incredible. And I trust in those. I trust mm-hmm. in those because even then, you know, when there's a little bit of uncertainty about what's going on and what's happening, that uncertainty sort of gnaws at you and, and weighs on you and you sort of look for signs. Is something wrong? Do we have to get him back? 
you know, to be evaluated? Did they miss something? And then I think about mm-hmm. that acorn, and it's sort of like, okay, Donna knows. <laughs> I don't know, and exactly. I don't trust necessarily, but Donna knows. And she's telling me, so if I can trust in that, if I can trust in her love, and that's always easy for me to do. I'm never mm-hmm. skeptical of her love. I'm never skeptical, right. you know, of what a beautiful child and what we shared between us. And so it's always very reassuring too. Mm -hmm. And I love what you've done for um, St. Baldrick. So we read these stories, we read about Donna and we feel we want to help. And I love that you've been so clear that the way to help is to donate money for research because when Donna was, diagnosed there was no treatment there wasn't even a treatment protocol that you could follow because there hadn't been enough research done to know how to treat her particular type of cancer so for six years you've raised money for St. Baldrick's um, sponsoring shaving events but this year you went to DC with 46 other moms how was that yeah yes um so we have been connected with St. Baldrick's our family since 2012 and we've hosted these shaving events. And um, they reached out to me last, I guess it was last fall, um, and Mm -hmm. said that in April of 2018, they wanted to sort of evolve from purely Mm -hmm. fundraising to incorporate more advocacy. And might Mm -hmm. I be interested in going to Washington, D.C., to help advocate for better funding um, for childhood Mm -hmm. cancer. And I am a political geek of the highest Mm -hmm. order. (laughs) I sort of, these days especially, I sort of live and breathe politics. Um, Yeah. And as, you know, corrupt as I might believe politicians are (laughs) and the system may be, I have a great regard um, for the concept of government and democracy and, um, you know, what occurs in our nation's capital. And so I was just mm-hmm. elated at the prospect of um, telling Donna's story in mm-hmm. that arena um, and, and not trying to raise money from individuals willing to shave their heads, but trying to mm-hmm. enlighten our elected officials yes to see the disparity um, of funding for childhood cancer, which is the number one disease killer of children. And it was um, a wonderful opportunity that I also uh, got to bring my oldest son to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And um, he sort of knocked the socks off of every staffer and politician that we met. (laughs) Um, and he spoke of his sister so eloquently. Their lives only overlapped um, for just under 10 months. So he was mm-hmm. a 10, you know, not quite 10 months old when his sister Donna died. Um, but he spoke with such eloquency and, um, and intimacy of a brother missing his sister who he has no mm-hmm. memories of. Um, right. 
And I think, you know, much more than statistics or pleas of the adults, um, I think, you know, seeing a nine-year-old kid be very frank about, you know, missing and grieving a sister he never knew was Mm -hmm. just very moving. Um, And I'm really happy to report, too, that... um, the legislation that we were there to advocate for passed. And it's one of the mm-hmm. very few bipartisan um, pieces of legislation Perfect. that has been able to get through. Yes. Um, and so now the question becomes, will they fund it? Um, so we just right. keep our fingers crossed and we keep advocating yes. um, that yes. they fund the legislation that they pass. Yeah. Speaking of money, you wrote um, about applying for Medicaid in the most incredible way, I'm going to share it too. It was before Obamacare, and um, you and your husband are highly educated. You had you had employer provided health insurance, but at that time there was a lifetime limit of two million. The doctors recommended a stem cell transplant that was six hundred thousand dollars. That was denied by your insurance company, and I and you describe they walked our upper middle class naive selves through the process at the hospital that it, Medicaid is not just for, you know, you, you discussed the undeserving poor from the deserving poor, but it's, you know, I'm not doing it justice and I will share the link, <laughs> um, but it was incredible that you were able yeah. to describe how this can happen to someone who has an excellent job and excellent education you know, all of the benefits and it can happen to before Obamacare, it can happen to you, to anyone listening. And and just to add some context too, um, the governor of Illinois in 2008, which is when Donna had her stem cell transplant, was um, Rod Blagojevich, who is currently... Mm -hmm. Um, sitting in a federal prison um, Mm -hmm. for corruption. Um, Mm -hmm. But one thing that he mandated while he was governor of Illinois is that every child, regardless of income, must be covered by insurance. It's just mandated. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were quite, quite lucky that when our insurer, which was Blue Cross Blue Shield, denied um, the mm-hmm. coverage the stem cell. for mm-hmm. the stem cell transplant as being an experimental treatment, because the state mandated that every child have insurance, Medicaid by law in the state of Illinois mm-hmm. had to provide coverage. Um, and so Donna was sort of you know, with us guided through that process and was funded under Medicaid um, for mm-hmm. her stem cell treatment. And, you know, we can debate, did it work? Did it not work? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's clear that it certainly lengthened her time with us. There's no question about that. It was not right. successful in eradicating her cancer cells, but I do believe in the physicians that cared for her certainly believed that it provided her more time with us. Right. Um, but that's, you know, mm. to to think about where we're at politically, 
this concept of pre-existing conditions. Um, at that point, pre-existing conditions were not covered. Um, I believe we're moving backwards right. in that direction. That will so come scary. To that again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it's and a, you say it's you, the way you just said, time. will it work? Oh, yeah, will it work? Will it not work? That's so easy to say, you know, when you're balancing, you're looking at the balance sheet. But if it's your kid, like if, if these lawmakers, if it was their kid, they did all the right things. They went to college. They got a great job. They have the like. You can't blame someone. This is your child. To the you know the people signing these laws. What if it was your baby? Right. What if it was the most important person in the world to you? That's what they have to think of. I, I it's so. It becomes so about accounting, and it's so your heart is on the line. Right, right. And and historically speaking, that's how we qualify and categorize the poor as deserving Mm -hmm. versus undeserving. Um, Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, poor people in America are almost always – treated as undeserving, that, that mm-hmm. something within their makeup um, brought them to that place. Um, and right. it's simply not the case, uh, especially right. in right. terms of medical catastrophes. It's just not, not an accurate sense. Um, so there's a lot. Hopefully, um, you know, the pendulum will swing the other way soon i hope Um, but we have got to get away from this concept that if you live a good life you will be a healthy individual and if you have health issues you've somehow contributed to that um, by your lifestyle choices um it's not you know especially pediatric yeah pediatric cancer they don't know what's causing it it is the luck of the draw. It is a random occurrence. Um, there's no deserving or undeserving. Everyone is exactly. Um, of exactly. medical care. And I hope, I hope our country um, can begin to embrace that as we move forward. Yeah. With your help, you're doing wonderful things. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, I so enjoyed speaking with you, Fern. I and know. I just want to thank you, too, in terms of the timing. Um, this Friday, the October 19th, is um, the death anniversary for Donna. So that marks nine years. Um, mm-hmm. She's been away from us. Um, so it was very, you know. Perfect uh, timing. Significant, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, significant. Yeah. To, be able to speak with you on this particular day too. So I'm appreciative. Thank you so much for oh, thank you, and everyone can find you at oh, thank you. oh, of course, you're such of a course. And everyone, like, champion. <laughs> oh, and everyone can find you at MaryTylerMomWrites.com and on That's Facebook great. at MaryTylerMom and on uh, Twitter at MaryTylerMom. That's right. right. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm so great proud to know you. you. <laughs> oh, Wonderful so things abound. <laughs> and okay, hope. you take care, my friend. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye. The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience! Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, oh, too much. 
Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.